always been fascinated by talking to creative people, those who think differently, understand uniquely, and see the world in their own way. Now don't get me wrong, I love what creatives produce, but often, the story behind the story is what really inspires me, because I want to know where ideas come from, because that's where the magic happens. That's the creative backstory. Welcome to The Creative Backstory. I'm Kelly Planer, your host. My guest today is singer-songwriter and band leader Jim Godet. I came to be a fan of his uh, quite by accident. I had a friend who was in a band who was opening for Jim and the Railroad Boys at Godfrey Daniels in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Um, and he said, come see us and you should stay for Jim Godet and the Railroad Boys. They're good. And it wasn't true. They weren't good. They were phenomenal. (laughs) So here's the thing. Jim's songwriting is full of witty stories of a very colorful guy who is maybe kind of Major Tom in the 60s, you know, who keeps showing up in Jim's song, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, His band is full of what a reviewer once called whiz kids. I call them seasoned pros who seem to defy genre. They are all as capable of playing classical as they are rockabilly and whatever may fall in between. They're amazing as individuals. And yet to me, the whole is far greater than the preposterously talented sum of the parts. And I know I'm using a lot of adjectives today, but I am completely unapologetic and a huge fan and so glad Jim is here to talk with us today. Thank you for spending a little time with me. Thank you, Kelly. And I am very happy to be here. So I don't, I can't imagine what we're going to get into, but it'll be fun. It's just trouble, just trouble, right? So so let's start. How did you, how did you get into uh, music and how did the Railroad Boys come about? So we'll start way back and then we'll get into your new album, which is exciting. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a long story as far as the Railroad Boys and it was just very, Oh, I want to just by chance happening. Yeah, I mean, I had been a solo um, for a few years, starting out in the late 80s and just doing the coffee house circuit, that type of thing. And then I dropped out of that and I had young children at the time and uh, my wife and I, Peg, uh, we had, you know, two a young boy and a girl and uh it just got to be overwhelming. Things really were going well. And that was turned out to be bad news because I just couldn't keep up. So I had signed with a label out of New York City. That was 1-800-PRIME-CD with David Seitz. And, um, you know, that ran its course, I guess. And I really didn't think that I was going to continue on musically after that. But then a few years passed and um, I just got the itch to go into the studio and just record some new things that I had written. And that's where I met Sten, who is our mandolin player. And uh, he also plays the telly as well, but um, that's where I met Sten. Was it his studio? In the studio. He was recording me solo because I just wanted some things just for my own keepsake type thing, some songs. Sure. So he said, do you want me to add any mandolin on any of the tracks? And I said, sure. I didn't really even know that he was a mandolin player. I knew he played the electric guitar with quite a few bands. So I didn't know he played the mandolin. So he laid down a couple of tracks and said, oh, that sounds great. And Bobby, um, well, that's how I met Sten. And then Bobby, it turns out, I was playing music with a friend every Wednesday night, just getting together, just, you know, just um, jamming, so to speak. And uh, we invited Bobby over because we wanted a bass player. And he happened to come over and visit with us and play with us. And he liked what he heard. So he stuck around and did the next few Wednesdays. And then when I thought we got a few things together, I said, why don't we just, I'll call Sarah, Sarah Craig, up at uh, Saratoga Springs at Cafe Lena. I said, you know, she'll give us a gig for sure. And uh, 
I did call her and she welcomed me with open arms and that was our first first get together. And oh. we also had Tim Weckler on fiddle. So it was Bobby, Tim, oh Sten, no, Sten was not with us as yet. He was he joined in a little bit later. And that okay. was our first uh oh I guess uh togetherness as a band, as a, a four-piece band. We've gone through a few changes since then, but that's how it all started. I never had any intention whatsoever of ever fronting a band. I never wanted to ever do that. Um, I didn't want my name up front. They made me do it, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I just did not want to call it my band because I, I certainly know that we're all equal parts. We each have our equal part to play. Um, but well, somebody's got to take the, that's, take the that's, that's all I kept hearing. <laughs> so it's true. Somebody's got to take the phone calls, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that would be me now. So yeah, I, I, not only did I never want to do it, I never thought I could do it. So well, that's how, it was a that's calculated how it risk. Yeah. And how did you get Sten, who I, I like to think of him as the professor because, you know, well, he is a professor. He is. <laughs> and, and you know, he plays classical, classical guitar, and he's with a jazz ensemble as well. Right. He is the busiest guy I've ever known. He's, I mean, he's connected with, I know, um, well, one of the strings companies, I'm not sure. Right. Yeah. Well, but, he's, uh, he's pretty spectacular, but you guys, you know, so you've been together as that core four, and I'm, I'm including Sarah in that, your fiddler, for quite a while. Yes. And we, I think there's a creative process in making a band work. Because bands are like family, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's probably a book that can be written there, or at least a good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like it's about a family, but it's really about keeping a band together. That's a good idea. It is a good idea. Yeah, we like have so it. many good ideas. Yeah. So what do you think... You know, describe for people who haven't listened, and we'll play plenty of uh, Railroad Boys music, so everyone will get familiar in a hurry with uh, the Railroad Boys, but describe your band, how you talk about it. Oh, I've come to the realization that we sort of started out with a bluegrass flavor, and um, come to realize we're not, we're not a bluegrass band. And what I'm calling it now, and then title of our new CD, our new release, is what I feel most comfortable in describing our band, and it's called Hillbilly Rock and Roll. And that's the title of the new release, and that's, I think, best describes what we do, because I think we're really, the tone or the, uh, I guess, the message or the feel for the music is it's really pre-bluegrass. And I learned that through Ken Burns, a documentary that he did on country music. That's amazing. Yeah, that's where I came to realize that. That doc isn't that old. <laughs> really? Oh, that's amazing. Thank you, Ken Burns. Yeah. So that's where I got the hillbilly thing, and I just go with hillbilly rock and roll. And uh, that's that's the way I best describe it. And I, people react to that when I tell them that the kind of music we play. I mean, oh, people yeah. really do react to that uh, as opposed to, you know, bluegrass, uh, folk, country, you know. I, yeah, and I feel like your style lends itself to, I can only describe it this way. Um, I produced video for, for a long time and whenever, one of the things that I always had to do with pieces is put music to them, which mm. is, one of my favorite things to do because everything has a personality that, and, and you can kind of push certain aspects of things with music playing it in the background. 
and whenever I, I was a little lost about what kind of music to put on a middle of a video, I would always end up putting like some kind of country rootsy rock in the middle because I figure nobody doesn't like it, you know, and I'm safe. And, you know, so I think yeah. you kind of hit that sweet spot right in the middle, you know, which yes. makes which makes hillbilly rock and roll the manatee of the music world with no natural enemies, right? <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> I got to so, write that down. Write that down. It, it's, mm -hmm. It'll be on the podcast. <laughs> really? So this album, I listened to this and when you sent it to me, you said, you said, this will give you a feel for, for what I'm trying to say. And I'll ask you what you're trying to say. But before that, I want to guess. Is that all right? I'm going to guess yeah. what you're trying to say. Because your, your description will be better than mine, I guarantee you. So funny. <laughs> um, I feel that this album coming out in 2021, after the year we had, I feel like 2020 was our bad relationship. And I feel like you told that story through this whole song. Did I get close? Oh, that's great. That's really great. Did I get close? <laughs> well, I, you know, it's it's really subconscious of of how or why, but but that's a great take, I think. Like 2020 was my bad boyfriend, and this is how I got out of it. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, but oh, because I great, feel like I these like songs that. were were. I feel like, okay, first, I think I have to back up a little bit and talk about your guy. And I know I've talked about this with you before. Um, the guy who who you sing about, I feel like he he kind of lives, there's a thread through your music from, from, you know, tattoo my your name on my arm to, you know, hey, baby, I'm going to sit on the bus and forget about us. And, and it's always this kind of... Um, guy who's just a little down on his luck and not lucky in love and what's funny is you are you are none of those things I've met Peg and she's terrific and she's also a big fan of yours so you know mm. there's this guy and and I know like I I feel like the last time we talked, I was listening to a lot of um, Nebraska and Bruce Springsteen. And I said, I think yeah. your guy is kind of that guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much. So. That was a landmark uh, release for me, the Bruce Springsteen. I, I love that release. I listen to it all the time. I play it in my car aloud, you know, on the good yeah. stereo yeah. in my car, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole story of it being essentially a demo. I mean, it wasn't. He liked the demo more than he liked the stuff he recorded with the band. Just made it right. very. I know. It just gave it a layer of Bruce Springsteen well, is my bestie, you know. Yeah, because it's him. You know, it's not Clarence Clements. It's not, uh, you know, their parts. It's just him. And it's just, he's alone. And, and that's how you get to know people as songwriters or. Whatever, but back to your assessment of what I was trying to get to, or I don't seem to be the guy that I write about. I think <laughs> one one comment I have on that is that when my life is going good, when things are really in my favor and things are going good, that's when I can write about the bad guy. You know, <sighs> you know what I mean? Okay. I'm comfortable then. I know I don't identify necessarily with that guy. I can write about him now. Yeah. If things were not good, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I'd write it. But uh, it really, when I'm confident and feeling good, that's when I can write. Uh, Johnny's in the basement mixing up the medicine. I'm on the pavement. Wow. You know. Is that his name? That might be his name. <laughs> it might be Johnny in the basement. <laughs> I keep thinking, you know, he's such an interesting fella because he just keeps trying. But this album kind of gives him a new shade. Like he's like, oh, yeah. I, I think he's getting better and he's maybe had it and started to. Yeah. Well, one aspect of it, and, and I did think of trying to make it a theme type presentation, you know, put them in order chronologically and give it some order. But I, you know, I didn't want to overdo that or overthink it. But the new girl now, 
got me a new girl now. I mean, that's yep. the one that turns it around. And it's just serendipitous that, you know, here I am throwing a tantrum in a liquor store and it ends up that I um, helped the clerk clean up the mess, take her out to dinner and buy her a new dress, you know? I love it. I'm yeah. gonna play a little bit of um, Now. Okay. And uh, this is Jim Gaudet and the Railroad Boys playing Now. Now, got me a new girl now. Got me a new girl now. Got me a new girl, got me a new girl. your alter ego sure <laughs> I, got I, a couple of those. Yeah. I think mine's a mine's a 90 year old jewish woman by the way <laughs> <laughs> that's great well honey i'll tell you what i've lived yeah, a long right, time right. we got we got some things to talk about you know but, but as i right. see it we're going to be all right you know but uh so one of the things i really like about the railroad boys because it's stuff that i think really just goes into the whole storytelling is your instrumentations and your arrangements are so clever and they're so full of like their voices in there they're commenting on johnny right. in the basement <sighs> but the instruments are commenting on that and they're kind of creating a texture in which which these things happen, you know, and then all of a sudden when you start a song acapella, you know, that's another voice going on. I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, talk a little bit about how, how these, um, these songs get arranged and your part in them and, and your, your band's uh, part in them. How does this all happen? Well, I really, I arrange all of the stuff. And I normally, the process had been for years that I would have the song pretty close to completion. I bring it to Bobby, he would get to know the song, then we would play it for Sten, any of the new material. And then he, Sten would, I guess, uh, either you know put the finishing touches on or something like that. But yeah, I it's pretty well arranged by the time they even hear it. I mean, like it just, a very unique thing in the, in the uh, new girl now is that little stop in there. Got me a new girl, got me a new girl now. And then boom, and the band comes back in. I love that. I love that too, because this is, this is the guy, I think it's just an act of defiance and saying, hey, you can't beat me That's 2020, right. you know? <laughs> <laughs> no. But I think that's great. Um, I don't know if there's anything else. Do you have a favorite song out of this album? Well, I have a favorite one that I like to perform. And that's okay. I've Been Walking. I've Been Walking. I, I, I just love singing that song. So talking to myself, where do we go from here? I'm going to play a little bit of it. And then we can kind of get into it. I've been walking, talking to myself all night. 
singing it are you pretty much guaranteed that your audience is going to like it do you think mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. i do that's a good i do that's a good feeling because the other day we were talking about how you know your song's good and one of the things is obviously if people respond to it but yes. i think there has to be some sort of selling it on our part as a singer yeah and that, so that's, that's, uh, that's one of the things now where i feel so confident with my material that I feel I can always strongly sell anything we do, you know, um, whereas before playing to audiences that did not know us and maybe playing new songs that we did not know as well that I would force the band to do, uh, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> um, we only really do things that we know. Yeah. That's, that's a good thing. Um, but, you know, starting out, I used to love to, oh, if we were playing a coffee house or something like that, I'd love to introduce new things that the band really didn't know and let them, you know, struggle or whatever, but let them fight to get to get it right and sound good. And normally they, they always would do that. They didn't have the confidence in themselves that I had in them, but uh, normally it worked out great. But I can see how it can be detracting for an audience that doesn't know us. Right, and I think about it, you know, in my my little, I call it my little cover band when I'm in the, the presence of musicians, because this is what I do and we have fun doing it, but we used to be a little bit more, I call it, you know, the jam band. We used to just run into stuff and, and iterations right. of the band changed and we probably have the the group now that we could pull it off, but I don't, I don't want to do that to them. <laughs> Like the worst I'll ever say is his play another break. And it's usually because I can't remember a lyric, you know, <laughs> so, that I need help, you know, so. So I'm not the only one that uses that uh, method. I think it's a, it's a good trade secret. I'm pretty sure everybody does it. Really? Go for oh, two. Yeah. They'll go for two. Mm -hmm. That was it so worked. good. Do it again. I know. <laughs> well, I'll think of something that rhymes right. with orange, That's... you know. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, performing is, all right, what's the thing for you? Is it the writing, the um, arranging, or the performing? What makes you the happiest? Yeah, you know, when it's going right, certainly the performing. <sighs> yeah. It's nothing like that when it's going right. Yeah. And uh, things have been all that we've been doing since the break, you know, since the uh, shutdown, we have had some great, great gigs at some great places. And I, I just, I couldn't be happier right now the way the band is going. They're, they're really, you know, everybody's in line and everybody's ready to go. Well, and I think, I think there's so much electricity, you know, when the last time I saw you guys was up at 
Smoke Country Jam. Smoke Country, yeah. And, you know, I just can't, it was just a group of jubilant people who were happy to be there and happy to be oh, good. with each other, let alone happy to be anywhere. I mean, really, really, there was, yeah. it was just such a, it was the most fun I've had at a festival in a long time. And wow. I'm not, and I'm never bored, you know? Wow. That was That's good. A time. Wonderful compliment. Thank you. Yeah. And, yeah. um, um, I think, you know, just being there with that group and that crowd and, you know, as the night went on, it just got, they just got more and more excited to be there. But I think people need, people needed it. People wanted their oh, music. Yeah. They needed it. They, they wanted to be out. Hopefully we can continue that. They just have to wear your masks, everybody. We're just wear the mask. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I support that as well. I, I I have no problem wearing a mask, you know. I know. I know this is off topic, but I'm not sure yeah. why people, you know, medical reasons aside, yeah. I understand yeah. there are some issues, yeah. but just live in community and just get us help us yeah. all get back to normal. Be a be a neighbor, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. If there are no other reason, that should be reason enough. Right. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we still live here. So, you know, and if we want a live music scene, and if we want, if we don't want to watch everybody on a screen all the time, right. we just need to get through it and not have an opinion about it other than get through it. Yeah. And just that, that point about watching on the screen, there actually was a time throughout the shutdown where I honestly believe that this is the way we're going to, this is the way it's going to be. It was an yeah. awful realization, but I, I started thinking and started believing that. It's like, oh my God. Or it was going to take years. Right. To get and back. It's, it still might if we don't <laughs> get it together. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to sound critical, but I'm just going to say we need to get it together. Um, so, Creative from a process point, when you're in front of a video camera instead of a live audience, the live audience, it's mimetic. You can see what's people, what people are right. thinking and doing. Right. It's not easy in not front of easy. a camera. It's not easy. Because the camera yeah, doesn't I mean, love you back. Well, that's that's it. I mean, if you're just gonna play the song, then it's real easy. Just play the song. Nobody, you know. But if you're going to show that you love this song and you're showing emotion and showing drive and delivering and presenting the song, then it's difficult. Because doing that yeah. to empty space is, you know, very difficult. And not I wonder, that I haven't, you, not, not that I haven't played, you know, in front of the mirror for a hundred years, but anyway, but. I know. So what was your first live show after the restrictions were lifted? Oh, I would say our first one was, it's called, there's a place called the Linda and it's the NPR station locally in Albany, mm -hmm. um, WAMC. And it's a wonderful venue. It holds about 200 people. And um, that was our first one, I think, that we came back with. Oh, wow. and, and it worked out beautifully. We had a great recording of it. And... Uh, I wish I knew the date, though. I don't know the date of when we did that, but. That's all right. It's all a blur. Yeah, yeah uh, really. So describe that feeling, because I remember, you know, we had our first gig back and it was just a restaurant gig, but I can't tell you when I had more fun. <laughs> you know? Oh, good. Oh, good. So what was that like for you guys? As far as, oh, oh uh, you know, I thought we pulled it off pretty well. You know, I, I, I looked at each player from time to time and just if they if they needed to perk up, I tried to perk them up or whatever, you know, just try to keep it moving and keep it going. And I, I was happy with it. I, I can't say that I was disappointed at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to be it's nice to be back with an audience. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, my feeling really was it's nice to be back with the band. You know, because we did yeah. not play. We didn't play. You didn't that play. Was, you didn't practice. Was, 
we didn't practice, we didn't, we didn't rehearse, we didn't really do anything. And I was just speaking with, I don't know if you know Raina Gellert with um, Kieran Kane. I was just speaking with Raina and it was the whole thing of, um, you know, if you, if you were to say to yourself, there's gonna be a pandemic and it's gonna shut things down for 12 months. You might say as a songwriter or, or literary writer or whatever, you might say, this will be great. I'll just lock myself in and I'll write and I'll write and I'll play and I'll do all these things. But as it turned out for me, and she shared this, she actually made the point and I agreed with her, but she didn't do any writing. I didn't do any writing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I I don't know. I. I didn't go anywhere, I didn't do anything, but I just wasn't in the mood to writing. And, and it, that goes back to what I said earlier, as far as when things are going great, you know, I can be writing up a storm. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, I just went through, I went through all the emotions. We, my band still, there are only three of us and I'm married to one of them. So, you know, we still got together occasionally and just maintained distance, but, yeah. We always felt pretty okay with that. Um, so we at least had that, but oof. We, we did a couple of Facebook live shows and I have to say, I didn't hate them, but it really was a different thing. Yeah. It was just a different kind of mindset. And I don't know, I don't know if I rallied all that well, to be honest. Right, right. You know, and that's the challenge. I know that's a tough part. Do you want, you want to listen to another song from your album? Perkins Moon by Jim Gaudé and the Railroad Boys. Well, this nine-pound hammer kill John Henry, kill John Henry, but it won't kill me. And don't you, don't, 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 no, don't you, don't, 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 oh, don't you, don't, 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 honey, don't. Well, the Lord threw the party at the county jail. The prison band was there and they began to wail. Me by Palula. words either you know in there somewhere yes yeah Yeah, and that whole you know you had said when you were setting out to write this you wanted something upbeat and you wanted something um well you i'll I'll let you tell me what you told me (laughs) Uh, yes really it started out as like a tribute to carl perkins musical era i don't think he gets enough credit um so I, I started it out like that, you know, and I was using all of his, quoting all of his songs and trying to put it together that way. And part of it also started out with, it was just set up for the instrumental solos. Cause you see how we cut out there and then there's a solo by the mandolin, solo by the fiddle. So that's, that's how the song from a performance standpoint, that's how and why that song started, really to have solos put in there. Because I just, 
uh, I don't know. When it, when we first sang it, I just kept saying blue, 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 blue. And we actually performed it like that, and it went well. But little by little, I started filling in and just free freely coming up with these one-liners from different songs, you know, from way back when. That's so funny. And then I gathered it all together and somehow came up with, you know, some some remnant of sense so, you know but they're all boom 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 all different parts of the song so it's really a tribute to that you know the early mid 50s early early 50s rock and roll how it all started you know i named i got the perkins name in the title just to make sure that carl perkins did get uh, some credit uh or That's amazing. I like that. And I've uh, the other thing. I think at one point the reason the reason I met Bobby is I I'd written after I'd seen you guys in Bethlehem. I wrote something on your Facebook page, and it was just about how generous this band, your band, is with each other. As far as everybody, just they're just so good, and nobody's hogging any spotlight. It's all spread out. There's there's so many good things about that instrumentation that's going on, even without the words, you know, and I'd written something to that effect. And we were up at, I guess we were up at Wingap and I saw Bobby in line. I was, in, I was behind Bobby in line and Bobby's yeah. very tall. So it's hard not to know who's in right. front of you in line. And I said, I just said, I'm so glad you're here. And he turned around and he said, oh, thanks so much. He goes, what's your name? And I said, Kelly. And he goes, Planer? And I went, how really? do you wow. possibly know that? He goes, you wrote something really nice on our Facebook page. And I just oh, liked wow. it. I'm like, hmm. that was nice. As a fan. Yeah, that was good nice work, fan. Bobby. Yeah, good for Bobby. Yeah, because he's not, he's not, uh, not known for remembering names. I, he said my last name That's and I'm just like, and he pronounced it right, which is not yes. always the case. <laughs> right, right. So, so I don't oh, that's know good. if that's, that's what happened. It was a good band moment, um, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's a good Bobby nice. story. It's a good Bobby story, but, um, yeah. you know, and then it was funny because I was volunteering, I guess the next summer at, at uh, Gray Fox with Sandy Marola mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. Bobby comes in, he goes, I don't my past, but I'm the electrician. I went, oh, I know who you are. And then, <laughs> so, oh, that's good. That's so good. hopefully, you know, he felt speaking, some love. Speaking of Sandy, I just saw Sandy, I think two weeks ago. You did? Yeah, we played, um, well, there was a little private party um, uh, for the um, Gray Fox staff because Gray Fox was canceled. Right. So Mary Daub had a little party for all the volunteer staff and the Gibson brothers and the railroad boys, you know, performed. So that oh, was special. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. And, you know, Sandy runs one of the, the stages there for everyone who's listening who right. just feels like we're we've just left them out of the conversation and um, <laughs> he's a dear friend and uh, lots of fun to be with and um, lots of fun to volunteer with. So that's great. Did I ever tell you my Eric Gibson story? About I don't believe, I don't okay. believe you have ever told me that. My husband has a Stelling banjo and it used to belong oh. to Eric Gibson. Oh. Dave got it. This is a very long story. I'll try to make short. Dave got it from, from Stelling and apparently Eric had traded it in for another one. And then, you know, so he's had this banjo for 25 years. It's his, it's his best one and it's terrific. Okay. And so one day we were up at, we were at a show and the Gibson brothers were playing and I said, Dave, let's just, take it backstage and see what happens. You know, he's like, all right, whatever. So yeah. I go up and I'm trying to figure out why Eric Gibson would, would want to talk to me. So I started with Jeff Stelling and I said, Hey, Eric, Jeff Stelling said that 
one of our banjos used to belong to you. Will you come down and take a look? And his jaw dropped and he goes, was it the bellflower or the, I can't remember the other one. And I said, well, it was the bellflower. And then he just dropped his head. He goes, I never should have sold that. Oh, and and oh. I was sitting here going, well, I was happy until now. <laughs> <laughs> but he came down and we've had a couple conversations since, but it's just, you know, that's one of the creative things about music is it's not only the bands, but it's the instruments that as they travel around the legacy. And I think about, you know, I think about friends who have taken pictures of, I have a friend who's a music manager who one day just texted me a picture of Pete Seeger's banjo case. And it says property of Pete Seeger and it had his phone number. And I'm like, you just sent me Pete Seeger's phone number. And yeah, it was right. just very funny. Like it was just, you know, I think that providence and knowing where your stuff came from kind of makes things very special. Right. There are many, many incredible stories about, you know, trailing the history and the legacy of instruments, you know. Are you a guitar, are you the kind of guitar hoarder that my husband is banjo hoarder? No. No, I probably have four guitars. Yeah. And really right now, two of the four are, you know, uh, I guess sort of expensive guitars. Yeah. I guess yeah. Um, you would say. And then two of them are just, I keep one in an open tuning. Um, it's a Fender acoustic. And, you know, there's another one that I, oh, I have a parlor guitar now that I absolutely love. But I, um, I play the Gibson, you know, the J45, and I love that guitar. That's been Does so. Does it help good. you write the sound about it, the feel of it? It it can, it sure can, mm -hmm. you know, depending on where you are in the song, and you know, once once the song has got some legs and 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 is going somewhere, I think the uh, instrumentation, you know, can be a big deal. Um, I don't see that as my forte, I, uh, um, but yeah, it, it can play a role, definitely can. But you know, this is a little story that I like to tell about my J45. Okay. It's really a, um, it's not really a J45, it's, it's an adorned Chris Christopherson personal model. I was looking for a J45, but I ended up getting this uh, and then we played Music City Roots in Nashville. We played that show, that television show. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, sure. But Jim Lauderdale is the host. And he was so good to me. He was so, you know, wonderful and receptive. And, you know, we talked a little bit. And so that was it for the show. And the show's over. And the next time, I believe it was IBMA in Nashville when I saw him next. And he... You know, we spoke as if, or I spoke to him certainly as if I knew him. And he reciprocated. He was very friendly and open. Hey, how you doing? But I'm thinking he just does that with everyone. Until he said to me, you're still playing that J45? And that was, that was, then I knew that there was a connection somehow. It was just because of the instrument. I love that. That was really cool. I love that. I have a cool old Gibson. Um, and uh, one of my other podcast guests, Walter Parks, was was over and he asked to play it. And he goes, Kelly, I love these old guitars. And he's holding it. And, you know, he's mm -hmm. he's a monster player. Um, he's just so clever and stuff. He goes, you really got to kind of force it into, you know, tune. Sometimes you just got to deal with the strings where they're at. And I'm like, Dude, I, I hear your words and I it, it makes sense logically, but I'm just not that good a guitar player to even know that difference. <laughs> but I kind of love it. I love that I have it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the old Gibsons are certainly, they're my favorite. Yeah, I had a Martin. I, like I, I was playing a D28 for a while, but I don't like the Martins as much as the Gibsons, really. Well, you know, I think everybody has their, yeah. has their, I call it the sizzle, like when you put it in your hand and it melts a little, mm. you know, everybody has their sizzle and, you know, what feels yeah. good to them. Yeah. So. 
they get to have that. So yesterday, I'm changing the subject because I, I don't know in in podcast land who all is interested in instruments like the geekies are, you know. So we should go back to a song, right? But we had an interesting chat yesterday about story songs and you sent me hold on a father's lament that is on your um not the new album the one before right. which i'm tall sorry tales. tall tales i'm so sorry because i have okay. it and and um we talked about story songs and how much we both like them mm. and this is a good one because it's sort of it's sort of out of out of history but it feels like it happened yesterday and mm. i think that is due to the universality of it um let's listen to hold on a father's lament that every daddy gets to have with their kid but some dads <laughs> yes this started out um the idea of this came from the movie escape from danamora because that happened here in this area you know in the adirondacks i was just trying to visualize and think what it would be like just traipsing through the adirondacks you know because there's it's such plush um, forestry, it's so hard to get through all of this. Then I thought maybe I should bring someone else into it. Maybe my wife, maybe that. Then I said, no, 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 make it more vulnerable than that. Make it your son. And then I took it one step further and made it my daughter. Because I think that draws me in closer that I'm a single parent raising my daughter. She thinks I work in the mines but I'm running bootleg whiskey. Right. And so that's, that's how that started. And I love the, uh, the chord. There's really only two chords, um, but I love the progression and the rhythm of that song. And when I hear the fiddle and I'm playing that, uh, well, the exchange of, uh, the progression there. When I hear that with the fiddle, I just love that. And I had that pretty early on in the song, as far as the rhythm, the cadence, and the feel and tone of the song. I, I had that early on. So filling in the lyrics, when you have a structure, when you have something that you believe in, as far as the um, instrumentation, I think it's, it's way easier. 
You know, there's no decisions to be made down the line. Should I do this? Should I do that? I was very happy with the chord changes and, and right from the get-go. Yeah, yeah. So it made it easier. And I think I love story songs. I, mm -hmm. you know, I grew up in church. I love moral happy endings, you know. <laughs> and, uh, this one doesn't have a moral happy ending. This has go call your mom, kiddo. And, you know. Yeah. We'll just get to the lake and then we'll take it from there. But Right, uh, right. Got to get to the lake. Uh, but there's so, um, there's another song, and of course I can't think of the name of it right now, but it's the girlfriend runs off with a gypsy boy coming passing through the town. And um, the boyfriend who she ran away from thinks that she was stolen, that he that she did not go in her own accord. Mm. So you don't know whether she did or not. So he goes and takes the life of the boyfriend and she said, with a knife, and she said, hand me that knife because um, she was going to take her own life. Oh. Proving to the guy that, guess what? You know, wasn't you. didn't steal her. She went of her own accord and she loves this guy. And, and then he comes back, to, he escapes the guy um, who committed the murder. She's found with the knife in her hand. And he escapes, comes back nine months, 10 months later and finds that she's going to hang for the crime, for the murder. So I know we went off a little bit on a tangent there. And uh, that's okay. I'll send you that song, Kelly, if you want. Yeah, send me. Um... I love those and Dave loves those. He he likes those. I always I always go like this to him, which I'm flicking my hands out because I tell yeah. him to lighten up. Lighten up, honey. But he loves them. And you know, <laughs> I think part of those stories for the creative, I mean, I think it's nice to get it out of our system. Like you can't, you can't, there's certain rules about society and things you can't do, but the, in writing, one of the great things is it's all out there. You yeah, know? yeah. You can have an alter ego, which yes, I love. for sure. You can, you know, you can hedge your bets. I always think, you know, um, Leonard Cohen was great at that, telling super dark stories. Like everybody mm. knows, do you know that one? Everybody uh, knows that the dice is low. Oh, tears your heart out and it, it, you're yeah. just like, God, you're in such a bad place. You just want to give him a hug. Yeah. <laughs> from beyond. I know. Poor Leonard Cohen, but he really had something going. Yeah, there. and I, I never cared for Leonard Cohen back in the day when he was popular. But the fact, or when people started covering his stuff, it really brought it out to me. I love that. Because I did want to talk to you about your covers, which are so, I love taking a song and turning it mm. on its, mm. its back. Like I love covering songs by male artists to get, because when I sing it, my voice puts something totally different in. So you guys have done on your new album is Sharp Dressed Man, which is fantastic. I can't wait for you all to hear it. I'm not, I'm just going to make you go buy the album because you already uh, know the song. <laughs> so, great. But this interpretation, it's so good because it just, oh, good. first of all, it's the first time I ever understood all the words all the way. Oh, through. good, good. So good. good for you on that. But second of all, it just, it's just another color, you know, it's just has mm -hmm. these different tones and it's just um, super fun. But so you guys don't do too many covers, but you do a few, but you put your own spin on them. Yes, yes. So I know you and guys. That's the way. That's the way I want it to be. I mean, I want it to be our song. I don't want to uh, duplicate, you know, someone else's work. I just, I like to say that I take it and make it mine. Right, but I think too, those covers are kind of part of that oral tradition that made up folk music in the '60s and obviously everything before that. And I kind of love that that we get the chance to kind of. Yeah. yeah. Put ourselves in the song in a new way, not as a listener, but as a as a reinterpreter. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
So that makes sense. I love that. But we have, we've had a, a fast hour, Jim, and I just want no to say way. thank you. Yeah, we're about there, but I've got, oh I have, God, yeah. a, I would like to wrap up with a little bit. We talked about the creative toolkit where I like to know what your rules or tools or advice to like-minded creatives about creating. And it can be anything from songwriting, which we've touched on to instrumentation, which I love to talk with you guys about because you're the, the masters of it. And we're mm. all riding in the mm. railroad boys wake with this, if that is such a thing. Um, but what are the rules? What are, what are, what's your advice? <clears throat> you know, from time to time, I, I do have groups that uh, want to hear from me as to, you know, questions such as this. And I've, I've done some, you know, workshop type things. And I love to just start off by saying no rules. I like to just do not force yourself into any, just let it fly out there and then put it together. Start putting it together. Um, what I do, when I do my best stuff, I'll get the song in my head and I'll live with that song. It'll be in my head everywhere I go, every day. I'll keep referring to it, looking for to turn a phrase or get something you know, clever or cute in there. But I'll keep that in my mind. Um, and then I have this gigantic, you know, artwork, you know, for painters or even for, you know, the, uh, oh, when people are giving presentations, they have the big board, you know, with the paper and they, yep. I get, I get there and I start jotting down here, there, everywhere, spaced all over the place verse over here, verse over here, find a chorus, this now I'm doing the chorus here. And that's how I start to build the song. And I've had my best success that way. Another way I do it, I find an envelope that just I came in the mail and I put a little something on the back of the envelope and, then, and that that's not as effective. It's not nearly as effective, but when I go and get it on the big paper, I can see all those different verses, line them up, whatever I have to do, you know, uh, edit them certainly. And I edit and edit and edit and edit like crazy. And I just keep going at it. And I mean, when I, when I get something that's formulated on the paper, then I put it on my computer. And then I take it from there. I'll edit it from there. Mm -hmm. I go. And um, I mean, that's that's one of that's one of the ways that I, you know, just and the nuts and bolts of how I sequentially create a song. As far as ideas, you've got to just keep. You know, your mind open all the time. And, and I'll tell you, I got one going right now. I'll share it with you. <clears throat> I can't give you the rhythm and all, but basically I'll just give you the lyrics, the first uh, first verse. I think I can go into a chorus also, but it's, I had it coming. That's why she's going. No punches <laughs> landed, but she kept on throwing. The boat was sinking. And I kept rowing, and the grass was dead, but I kept on mowing. That is so Leonard seeds. Cohen. <laughs> I had some seeds that needed sowing, so I had it coming, and that's why she's going. So that's my that's first verse. And that's your guy. That's that's Johnny in the basement. That's Johnny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my man, Johnny. My brother's I feel bad. name is I Johnny. Mean to, yeah. I didn't mean to name him, but it just, you know. Yeah, no, it's happened. okay. I feel like he should remain nameless, but he's Johnny yeah. in the basement from here on, here on out in my mind. So okay. that's amazing. But um, yeah, I wish, I wish I had more rules for you as far as, you know, what I do sometimes also, 
is I'll have the structure and the melody from a song that I'm very, very familiar with. And I'll, instead of the lyrics that are on the tune, the original tune, I'll throw in my lyrics. So now I have a structured, um, you know, lyrical song. And then I go and change the chords. Did that make any sense? It did. It did, because it gives you, I find that that would help you, you know, when you think about Shakespeare and iambic pentameter, that would give you that rhythm you needed. Yes. To yes. help you with the, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good. I know, that's a way to do it. And I've done that with a couple of tunes. Because it's almost like if I were to cover the tune, I wouldn't play it like the original tune anyway. Right, right. So exactly. I'll get my own words in there and it'll come out sounding differently. Truth. Yeah. yeah. I uh I tried something new. I told you I I I'm doing a songwriter's workshop and I got a, an assignment that was very specific mm -hmm. and I just decided to rabbit trail it. And I've never done this before. Yeah. I just wrote and kept writing until something made sense. Good. And then Good. I put it down, but then I started mixing the words around. I just, you know, I just started taking lines and I'm like, all right, I don't like that here, but if I put it here, Mm -hmm. And I puzzled it together and I did it on the computer, which usually I don't like to do, but I couldn't scribble this way. Like the rabbit trails wouldn't let me scribble and it worked pretty well. Mm, good. I always kind of co-write melody and lyrics at the same time, but I think sure. I'm holding myself back that way. I don't know. How do you do Oh, it? you do? You I, do? Maybe a little. I um, like the structure, but I need the structure, but I always wonder if, I don't know. The last time yeah. it worked out, the rabbit trail worked really well for me. <laughs> and then um, Lucky Platt, who did one of the podcasts earlier, suggests that I started mind mapping. So that's really where the rabbit trail came, idea came. She just write down an idea in the middle of the page and just draw pictures and and map it out. Probably very much how you do your your big board. Okay. And yeah. that helped. It kind yeah. of gave me a start and then I kind of took it from there. But it, you know, I guess the lesson is get it all out. Just. Yep. I don't know how people can just, you know, uh, how do you say, freely identify or flow freely and just, oh, I just sat down and wrote this tune all by, you know, in five minutes or something. I don't know how people can do that. Have you, but, have you ever done that? Has that ever happened? I mean, they do come well, faster than others, but. Oh, yeah. Some are faster than others. Well, the song, um, I've Been Walking. Mm -hmm. I actually, I, I think the first verse I wrote um, when we were doing a sound check, you know, and that's how that started. I've been walking and then the band joined in with me on that and we got that you know we got it going and uh that's about the only one that i can really think of off the top though that i just that's cool can you imagine yeah. how many songs hank williams senior wrote during soundcheck i know imagine <laughs> right i know i know he was so good at that he just took ideas I read somewhere the other day that I saw the light, the gospel song, I saw the light. And yeah. he said it came from him driving. His mother was driving him home because he was probably quite sick at that time. And they were on the highway that comes into Montgomery. And his mother said, we're close to home. I saw the light. And that's where the song came from. It had nothing to do with. Spiritual. But he just, yeah. I love the way that he, took that idea and made it into what right. he did. Right. I know it's amazing. It's amazing. And the simplest of songs can be the most powerful. So you what do you think the know. best song you ever wrote was? Oh boy. <clears throat> um, 
I, I would say there are two that really stand out as far as being, I guess, a cut above the rest, maybe, but it's so hard. But we talked about the rain, it's one of them, and then in real life. Oh, I love we talked about the rain. Do oh you you know that one? Yeah. It it kind of, you know, as as I listen to songs, it's funny what grabs you and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And that one, I I listen, most of my good listening happens while I'm driving because that's yeah. when I'm dedicated. My ears yeah. are dedicated. So yeah. it was in the car and I we were listening, Dave and I were listening to um, that album and I'm just like, oh, this is good. You know, I say that a lot about your stuff because I look at Dave sometimes and I'm just like, I'm going on downtown to get my wife. You know, I, I, I sing that to him a lot. It's fun. But yeah, so you guys, you know, I know I'm talking like fangirl here, but this has been so much fun to discuss all these process things with you and, and uh, find some common ground and some, have a good time. So no, thank I, you. And I, I can't tell you how comfortable I have been speaking with you. Thank you so much for doing this. You will have to come back because I know we've got more to talk about, but um, I can't, you know, great. I always say, I can't believe who says yes to doing this, but thank you for saying yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm so happy to do it, really. Oh, thrilled. And um, the name of the new album is? Hillbilly Rock and Roll, Straight from the Still. Straight from the still. Jim Gaudet and the Railroad Boys are available. Everywhere, iTunes, um, Spotify. We have our own YouTube channel, which mm -hmm. I hope people will uh, check into and uh, subscribe to because we want to get as many subscriptions as possible so we can start getting paid. You have to get so many in order to get paid by YouTube. All right, listeners, let's do That's our right. jobs here. Let's do our jobs. Hit that subscribe button, buy some music, send these guys some love because holy cow. And and by all means, at some point, get to a live show because oh, it's, yeah. it's just so much fun and you feel like you're you're in a in an audience, you know, of good people from the from the stage to the back of the house and um it's always a delight thank you for letting me be a crazed mm. fan Jim. oh you're <laughs> wonderful kelly I, I can't tell you how much i appreciate that thank you the creative backstory wouldn't be possible without the support of juxtahub emmaus pennsylvania's arts and innovation center where people from all walks of life gather create and grow if you've been inspired by a creative person in your life or have a story about your favorite creative processes, we'd love to hear about it. Contact us at thecreativebackstory at gmail.com.